The City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey everyone, this is Russell Cox, editor of the Municipal Association of South Carolina's Uptown Publication, and today I am welcoming back to the podcast, welcoming back Katie Quinn. Katie is the Communications and Marketing Manager for the City of Rock Hill. Katie, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. Excited to have you back for one of the reasons, because many of our guests on the podcast do not have their own podcast, but that is not the case with the city of Rock Hill. So before we get started, Katie, could you give us a quick plug for Rock Hill's CityCast podcast? Yes. So we started a a podcast called Rock Hill CityCast um, a couple of years ago when we hired a young woman who had some podcasting experience personally, Mm -hmm. um, did some research and pulled together our equipment Created a couple of first episodes that did great. And then Ashley went to move to a different job within the city. Um, Mm -hmm. So we went on a bit of a hiatus at that point. After that, we hired her back to work with us and also hired a former radio host to join our staff. And that really was the impetus for CityCast to take off um, as it is. So we're on SoundCloud. We post the episodes on the city website, um, iTunes, uh, Google Play, all the regular podcasting platform. So it's a really good opportunity for us to dig into detail on subjects um, that, you know, most people don't want to spend more than 30 seconds or a minute scrolling through on social media. Well, speaking of the potential for podcast to delve into something, that's what we're here to do today. We are going to be talking about the 2022 Municipal Association Achievement Award win for the city of Rock Hill, which was the project to run a vac- a COVID-19 vaccination clinic. This is something that happened in 2021 at the beginning of the vaccine availability when the city helped launch this clinic and put together all of the logistics, volunteers, supplies, transportation, the the, the bus system, and put it all together at a truly breakneck pace. Would that not be accurate? Uh, yeah, absolutely accurate. I think it was just a little more than a week from the time that the Piedmont Medical Center CEO convened a group of community leaders to say, hey, we're going to need some help because the hospital had vaccine but didn't have the capacity to be able to do a large-scale vaccination effort for the public at the hospital. And I said in our presentation, like most city projects, this started with the mayor raising his hand saying, the city will take care of it. We'll we'll lead this. So it was, um, we went to visit the empty storefront on Martin Luther King Day that year, which was Mm -hmm. January 18th. And we were giving vaccinations that Thursday. It was like four days later. Um, that, I, must I have been a, that must have been a truly wild week. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still not sure how we pulled it off. And it was funny because it was originally scheduled to be the following Monday. And there were vaccinations that were going to expire elsewhere in the state. And um, somebody said, oh, we'll be able to manage that here. So 
what we originally thought was going to at least be a week and a half before opening ended up moving up significantly. So um, it worked out in the long run, though, because it, you know, sometimes with life, it's a little bit better to just have to jump in uh, head first and figure out how to swim after that. So it <laughs> did it just because of out of necessity, we figured mm. it out and it gave us a good opportunity to gather our thoughts over the weekend, decide what had worked, what didn't, and uh, consider improvements for the following week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it does sound like a a truly amazing example of pulling together these existing resources in an emergency. But before we get into all that, to start at the beginning, and, and we're already talking about this, what else can you say about the planning process there at the beginning to make this happen? So, like I said, it kind of started with um, the Piedmont Medical Center CEO convening this group of community leaders. The mayor realizing that the city had experience in emergency planning, um, large-scale events like the 2017 BMX World Championships that we had and parks, recreation, tourism events that um uh, uh, you know rely on city staff support but also rely a great deal on volunteers and the faith-based community and pulling together community partners and so we already had that foundation in place and because of those relationships that were previously built was pretty much i think one of the only reasons that we were able to manage that quick turnaround uh, you know, understanding where within the organization your talents and strengths lie. Mm-hmm. So the mayor immediately contacted Jimmy Bagley, one of our deputy city managers who is over utilities, um, has experience, like, as I said, with emergency management planning. Um, Tom Glenn, our hometown security coordinator, who is a can-do kind of guy, makes things happen. Dina Kiever, our human resources director, who obviously knows personnel and staffing. Um, And then they kind of grabbed me into the fray when we realized that the one of the key metrics for this was going to be making sure that everything was communicated. I was going to say, you got to get the word out. Yeah, that's right. So um, to put a whole nother spin on this, we recently had had a reorganization at the city um, a couple months before this. Mm -hmm. So I went from having two staff to having six pretty much overnight. And it was still, um, at this point, still trying to get to learn personalities and talents and skills. And it was a really good way to gel the team together. Obviously, a, a lot of moving parts there at the beginning with identifying a spot and figuring out how the funding was going to happen, reaching out to Comporium to create a call center on site and knowing that we were going to need phones and computers and printers and even fax machines. You know, that was really one of the first steps. Even just working with Piedmont to know that we were going to need to figure out who's bringing the Band-Aids. Are we going to feed volunteers? How mm-hmm. How is that going to look? How are, you know, where are they going to keep their stuff? We got lockers donated from, I think it was one of the schools had a 
lockers from the schools that they weren't using anymore, working out, working with the Chamber of Commerce to identify food sources for the volunteers and what the different jobs were going to be for the volunteers. Mm. It was the more I think about it, the more my heart uh, starts to race again <laughs> back there two years ago. <laughs> Even though it's, it's done and it's a slam dunk. And on top of everything else, it was a team building exercise for, for people in communications. Uh, okay. So the city offered staff support, also transportation, there's the Rock Hill bus system. And one of the things I remember from the presentation, the city offered the support of tracking the federal funding involved in making the clinic come together. Yes. So the idea was that, um, uh, you know, the city contributed staffing. We you know, contributed the utilities because you figure, I mean, this was a very big space. It was a former goodies department store at the Galleria Mall. So, mm-hmm. A, one of the big challenges was finding a spot that had enough parking and that was centrally located within the county because this didn't just serve Rock Hill people. This served all of your county and surrounding counties Mm -hmm. at the point when we got this started there was only i think one other provider of vaccines and so we were pretty much the go-to one one of the ways that we were able to encourage volunteers was by saying you know if you volunteer that kind of that makes you um a, a healthcare worker because you're around all these people and so we would offer vaccines to the volunteers mm-hmm. that would be there regularly. And we found we, we were having people sign up to volunteer from Asheville, from Charleston. They were coming here to volunteer. They were that keen on getting their vaccine. Yes, yes. The vaccine, that that aspect of it was always based on the availability and the appointments that we had and, and that type of thing. But it did help to encourage um, a volunteer base. Now, granted, you know, I don't think people were coming here to do that simply because of that, because we had a lot of local business owners. There were a lot of people in Rock Hill, and I think just across the country at that point that needed to feel some kind of hope and togetherness Mm -hmm. because we had all been isolated for what seemed like a long time because of COVID. Oh Um, boy, yes. So we we made a lot of new friends in in that time, <laughs> in that time period, but yeah. So we, um, as you mentioned, our MyRide bus system. There, what is a stop near there? But the mm-hmm. mayor was especially concerned about making sure that people had access. So we created a temporary bus stop even closer to the doors of the clinic to help people with that. We had folks on city staff reaching out to. Um, homeless shelters and social service agencies to be sure that um, some of the most at-risk folks and those that historically were underserved were able to have access. Mm-hmm. Um, during the time uh, we had, if we knew that there were going to be a good number of Spanish speakers on site, we would tap some of our bilingual city staff to be there and help translate through that process. And and quick aside on that bus system, it has itself received accolades as a electric bus system. 
Yeah, so, Rad is still doing a good job serving the community. Proud to say. It it is it is a pretty cool bus system. So you mentioned metrics. So if we could, let's let's dig into that. What were you talking about numbers wise? What you were looking for to, to see how well the effort succeeded? Uh, you know, I think at the beginning we had no idea. There was just there were still a lot of questions. We weren't sure what the vaccine availability was going to be. Um, we weren't sure about storage times. We weren't sure about just uh, how many people were going to be interested in getting the vaccine. So our main goal was to provide as much vaccine as the supply would allow in a safe customer-focused atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so we started on January 22nd and ran at that location at the mall until May 14th of 2021. So a little over four or five months. And we ended up giving just over 50,000 doses of vaccines. At that point, once we got to about May, there were a lot more vaccine providers in the area. Mm -hmm. Everybody had gotten through the eligibility list. So everybody who wanted to be vaccinated at that point pretty much had gotten their vaccines. And the the demand for it dwindled. Um, so at that point, we transitioned and still maintained a community vaccination clinic, but moved it from the old department store into the city's operations center, which was still a pretty big location, but, you know, mm -hmm. not nearly as big as what a former department store would need. Mm -hmm. So um, part of the process is as we looked at volunteers and understood the um, needs of training and efficiency and having some consistency there. One of the things that Dina made the decision to do, which ended up really helping, I think, with continuity, was identifying some of the volunteers that were um, really helpful and had a schedule that allowed them to be there consistently and actually hired them through a temp service. Mm -hmm. So they were at that point, a handful were being paid a part-time job to manage the different aspects of the clinic from um, the check-in parts to uh, actual injectors to, I think, somebody from the call center. I think there were about three or four people. So th those folks went over to the operation center. And mm -hmm. so when we transitioned to the operation center, the need for volunteers, um, for a large number of volunteers, really was reduced significantly because... By that point, we had our system. We were able to manage, you know, a few people an hour. When at the height of the big clinic, we were doing, I think the highest we ever did was like fourteen or fifteen hundred shots a day. Mm -hmm. Was was that was a busy day there? <laughs> Do you know a grand total of volunteers for this effort? Oh, um, even ballpark. Sorry. I know that we needed between 70 and 100 per day mm -hmm. because of the way that we had everything laid out. I I, I want to say, here we go, three, it was 
a little over 3,000 total volunteers were utilized in this effort. And I mean, I think many of them were, came repeatedly. So yeah, a little over 3,000 volunteers between 70 and 100 per day. So the way we had it set up was it, it was like a little vaccine assembly line for lack of better terminology. Um, and this was one of the reasons that I think we had volunteers return because it was important to us to be sure that the volunteer experience was not overwhelming, but mm -hmm. was meaningful to, to folks. So we had volunteers whose only job was to greet people at the door, ask if they were feeling well, take their temperature, and be sure that they had an appointment. So those were like the Walmart greeters of the vaccine clinic. Then once they got through there, there was a, per a line monitor who was assigned telling people where to go next in line. Then there was the check-in stations. And so all those folks did was check in people on the computer and give them their vaccine card or double check it. And then after that, they would go sit, they would fill out their release forms. We had volunteers that did nothing all day, but sanitize clipboards and pencils mm -hmm. um, and chairs. So then the folks would move to the next station. And if they needed to make their second dose appointment, they would go to that station. People would had to have, we had spreadsheets and would figure out when they were due for their second dose and get them plugged in there. And then they would get in queue for to actually get their shot after they got their shot. And that was a process in and of itself. We had the injector and they were always teamed up with a paperwork person who tracked the the vaccine in the system for the VAM system, indicated what lot number it was, um, double checked, and then the folks would go sit in the observation area for 15 to 30 minutes, depending on health conditions and such. And after they were finished with that, they would move to the checkout station where there were volunteers who did nothing but check people out and make sure that they had their second doses scheduled. Mm -hmm. So each volunteer station was um, consistent and repetitive. So it made it very easy to train volunteers every day. And it made it so that it wasn't overwhelming tasks. Mm -hmm. Almost, it's, yeah. It's funny because I remember talking to um, one of my staff actually helped with the sanitizing of the chairs. And they said they used muscles that they never knew they had, <laughs> burning the Windex bottle and wiping <laughs> with paper towels for, you know, six hours a day. <laughs> you know, when we talk about all of this from this vantage point now in, in 2022, when vaccines are so plentifully available, it it, it seems like such a different moment in time when they were so highly sought after like they were in early 2021. So I, I really want to connect this to kind of lessons learned, everything it's influenced about city projects and operations since then. So can you talk about what came out of all of that time, volunteer management or otherwise, emergency management or otherwise, that has informed things that have happened with the city of Rock Hill since then? Yeah, you know, one of the things that struck all of us during the time was two things. The mayor 
every single morning that the clinic was opened would be there at seven o'clock in the morning to greet the group of volunteers that were there for the day Mm -hmm. and to thank them for their time and explain that we weren't just going to be giving out vaccines that day, that we were going to be doling out hope to people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we heard from so many people during the day that it was the first time they literally had left their house since March of the previous year mm-hmm. because of concerns about COVID. And, and they would bring gifts and money donations to assist with volunteer support. And, you know, we so many of us would talk to folks on the phone and try to get them scheduled. And when they would get to the vaccine clinic, they would ask for us. I had a lovely woman. So I'm Polish by heritage. Um, My maiden name is Bart Nikowski. I had a lovely woman who brought me uh, cookies from the Polish bakery in Charlotte to say thank (laughs) you for help. So, you know, I think what that time did for us in Rock Hill was to show that even in adversity, the community can pull together and it can be um, persevere with compassion for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, fortunately, we had a lot of these relationships built prior that helped us to be able to be successful with that. But that clinic experience just further those relationships beyond anything that I think any of us could ever have expected, you know, not only with private companies that were donating and um, other local public agencies, but with the faith-based community, the mayor would have regular meetings uh, via Zoom or Teams with pastors of all the local churches and I think having having those relationships um, really fortified during that time has led now to other opportunities for the city to lend support for community efforts that may not historically have been considered local government responsibility. So we recently hosted a a mental health uh, town hall in conjunction with SCE TV to have a a panel discussion about how to help improve and offer resources to especially youth struggling with mental health issues. We've got a resource fair to help get all those resources in one place so that parents and grandparents and those who are looking after uh, young people can know where to go and what help to get if they find that their children are struggling with something. So I think, you know, the, the mayor talks an awful lot about, you know, it might not be um, local government's job to provide these services, but if, if we can create those connections so that everybody understands what exists and how to access it, that's a pretty good role, I think, for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the really interesting connections you make that is not something I would ordinarily think about. You talk about the 2017 BMX World Championship that I imagine the connection there is the sheer number of people it brought into Rock Hill and figuring out how to work with all of that. 
Yeah, so, you know, Parks, Recreation, Tourism, they, their staff, man, 2017 was a little bit of an exception because, you know, we had people from 30-some countries and thousands of guests in in a weekend, but they're doing these tournaments every weekend. So the two primary folks that um, helped manage the clinic on a daily basis was the guy, Adam Skull, who was over Manchester Meadows Soccer Complex, mm-hmm. and one of our city firefighters, Anthony Baker. So those two were sort of the um, double trouble of the vaccine <laughs> clinic because they have so much experience in just dealing with not just logistics, but forward thinking and continuous improvement and obviously you know with the the healthcare aspect of it and um Anthony it was always an exciting day for him when there was so much volume that he had to start giving shots to, <laughs> shots to people <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know because of the volunteer base that we had for 2017 BMX Worlds and the experience in managing large scale logistical events helped with this significantly and um, continues to help us as we plan for 2024 BMX World Championships. <laughs> it's always it's always on to the next thing. <laughs> oh gosh, yes, isn't that the truth? <laughs> so that I think kind of speaks to what I think Rock Hill has learned in all of this. And so now it's time for that key question that I always ask everyone who wins an achievement award. What would you say other cities and towns can learn from what Rock Hill did in this case? You know, with this one, I think there was a few things. First off, don't be afraid to to lead in arenas that may not traditionally be local government um, Mm -hmm. areas. So, you know, in, in some cases... Um, when there's a, a community issue, they aren't necessarily looking for the people to, I don't know, do the work, but just somebody to get all the players in the same room and say, you know, if we work together, we can make this happen. Um, and I think secondly is that relationship piece, is having those relationships established ahead of needing them. Mm-hmm. And um you know, cultivating those even in times of when you might not necessarily need to reach out to somebody for help and assistance. From a public information standpoint, absolutely. One of the things that I would do periodically is email my counterparts in other local cities and towns and counties if we needed help pushing out information. So, you know, having those relationships, not just with community partners and faith-based groups, but with your own counterparts in neighboring communities so that if you need a little support and amplification of a, of a message that you've got some backup there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think finally, just, you know, just constant evaluation Mm -hmm. Is what we're doing working? How can we make improvements, Um, whether it's a vaccine clinic or a sports tourism event or just, you know, regular city 
billing or any <laughs> real city project is just because something's always been done the same way doesn't necessarily mean that it's not time to to look at to to revisit it and improve exactly. upon it you got it i like it i like it i will say well actually first of all that wraps things up for me katie is there any final thoughts you would like you would like to give I think the only thing I would say is that, you know, I think sometimes we get so used to working with our head down and just doing all the daily things that need to happen that it becomes easy to lose sight of why we're doing it. And one of the best parts about the clinic is that it helped a lot of city staff that I know I spoke to kind of revisit that that why and seeing just the relief and hope and gratefulness uh, um, from not just the people who are getting their vaccines, but the community partners and um, just, you know, knowing that we're, we're doing this for people mm-hmm. was impactful. It, it was impactful work. You know, you are reminding me that when I got my first COVID vaccine in April 2021, that the person who stuck the needle in my arm, I said to them, you're the person I've been looking for for a year. Yeah. <laughs> so that is that is the Achievement Award for the City of Rock Hill for 2022. Uh, I will say for anyone looking to learn more about all of the awards, brainstorm for the submissions for the 2023 awards, it will be time for those soon enough. You can go through all of the winners at, at the Municipal Association's website, www.masc.se, and search for Achievement Awards. You can also, I can say for the Municipal Association podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, and gosh, Katie for Rock Hills podcast is, I mean, you went through a lot of them. It's just about anywhere, isn't it? Yeah, SoundCloud for us. Um, we are exploring some other platforms um, to to be able to push out on. But the easiest thing, if if you're not a, if you want to listen, but you're not um, up on the podcast uh, technology, cityofrockhill.com slash citycast. <laughs> Absolutely. And oh gosh, you, you, you reminded me that that's the one I did not mention SoundCloud. That is that is the host of our podcast as well. In in fact, sometimes as a suggested thing, if I'm play ours, it, it says City of Rock Hill, you should listen to this one too. Um, <laughs> but with that, Katie. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and talk about all of this. It's it's really great information. Thank you. And it's always an honor to be recognized with the Achievement Awards. We appreciate that very much. Happy to happy to do that. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.